This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where you read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'm Samuel Quinn Morris. I'm Matt Fennell. Welcome back to Urasawa Boys, a podcast where we read and discuss the works of Naoki Urasawa, beginning with Monster. Today we are reading chapters 33 through 41, um, consisting of the first half of Perfect Edition, Volume 3, and uh, the entirety of Regular Tonkabon, Volume 5, which as mentioned last episode, is useless information to you, listener, uh, because you don't have that tank of bond because uh, they're impossible to get in the West. But uh, sue me for being thorough. But here's the thing. It's structurally important because that's how we, that's how we map out our episodes. Um, to to yes. steal from one of our, one of our favorite uh, sources of content, Range Touch, the way that they did the Homestuck Made This World show was just based off of the print run of Homestuck, which is like an insane thing to do, but that was it's the thing that made sense It's a particularly insane thing to do for Homestuck. I think printing Homestuck to begin with is an insane thing to do, but... <laughs> Making Homestuck insane. Printing Homestuck. The, you know... Um, Maybe the worst choice, actually. Oh, and here's another, like, through line. I think Viz is the one who published those print it editions. Is Viz. Why would you... Okay, we are we are about as off-topic as we could possibly get. Really um, thanks in. for coming to our podcast about uh, Homestuck Made This World, the Range Touch Homestuck podcast. Returning to Urasawa Boys. Urasawa Boys. How are we How are we feeling about this reading here, Matt? Um, I really liked this reading, and I think I say that yeah. every time, but... Uh, so I, I read the first arc of this reading, like, immediately after we recorded episode four, and was pretty cold on it. Um, I, I can't quite pinpoint why. Um, you and then... the first arc, like, how many, how many chapters? The, the first three chapters, the, the Rudy stuff. So I, I read okay. the Rudy chapters, and was like, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'm feeling this. And then, uh, kind of set it aside, was having trouble sleeping last night, um, so I I just I took the book out and read through the whole reading and kind of took notes. And I, I think on a second reading, the Rudy stuff, maybe I was just in a better mood or something. I don't know, but I I, I really liked every single chapter in tonight's reading. I think it's yeah, you know, every time what we read is different than when we read the time before, and I'm always surprised at the things that this story does. So thumbs up on tonight's reading. Yeah, totally. It's um, that's a good point. It really does feel like we're always getting something uh, something new going on. We've got new characters, we've got new situations, we've got new um, factors entering into the story. Uh, and I think the reason why we keep being able to say, I love this reading, is because each reading is better than the last reading. Or maybe it's so fresh and so different that that it just it feels better, like... I don't know. You know, I listen back to our podcast and sometimes I'm like, man, are we overly nice? 
I was monster. thinking that too. Like, are we to... a little too nice to it? Because, but, but dang, I like it. We're likers. It's fun to like things. It turns it's, out, it's, um, it's fun to like things. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try to be meaner, but it's gonna be hard in this section. Fuck, man. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. I think this one is. Well, I mean, last time I said it was like a lot of plotty plot, 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 but we also found a lot of stuff to just kind of like dig in on and, and analyze. Um, and I, I think we'll probably be able, I mean, aside from, I think the, the, the last two chapters of this reading are really just plotty plot plot. Um, but the first two kind of episodes that comprise this reading, I think there's, there's a lot for us to to discuss in those. Cause this one kind of functions as like three separate stories. Uh, one that ends on a cliffhanger. Um, and each yes. one is, is doing something different. Yeah. Um, I think, I also think that in comparison to the last section, this one's a lot less dense. There is, like, a little bit less for us to really, like, not less for us to have a good time with, but we're not going to have, like, large digressions for Urasawa on race uh, or, or that kind of thing. You know, this right. this one has a lot more flow to it and a lot more... Uh, motion and and a lot of it is also helped by the fact that it isn't one single film like the last reading was you know it's it's separate things time moves a little bit faster um but yeah i'm i'm i really like a lot of what happens here it interacts very interestingly it it develops the themes that we've been trying to work with uh more in some very interesting ways that i'm excited to get into yeah, okay, um, chapter 33, is this you or me? This one's you, because I did, uh, five spoonfuls of sugar at the end of last one, so 33 is you. Indeed, okay. We get an Urasawa open to a psychologist named, uh, Rudy, starts with a G, I can't remember, Rudy, Jillen. um, uh, I don't know if German has, uh, Hard, hard and soft G's. Uh, whatever. Rudy Gillen. Let's let's gamble. Uh, Rudy Gillen is interviewing a serial killer. The serial killer tells him that one of his murders that doesn't fit his pattern uh, was uh, he was inf- he was told to do it by a friend. Uh, Rudy dismisses this and says it's bullshit. Tenma shows up at Rudy's house and tells Rudy everything. Rudy doesn't fucking buy it. He thinks it's bullshit. Um, and, uh, and then he goes to, he goes to the house of the woman that the serial killer killed. And that's it. Done. Yeah. Um, this one's, it's, it's, it's a lot of setup. Um, but I, I do yes. have some notes and one of them springboards into something that I think we're going to be able to talk about for, for a little while. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, the first note that I have is, Quinn, do you know who the serial killer that he's interviewing is? I do. Do you? Okay. I do. It, well, it looks like it's Edmund Kemper is, is, is how he's yeah. drawn. My, yeah. my best friend is a real true crime, true crime nut. Uh, so I showed it to her and she was like, that's probably Ed Kemper. And then I described his crimes and she was like, yep, yeah, 
So yeah. it's Ed Kemper, who is a famous serial killer that uh, I don't really know much about, but he did some murders. He's on Mindhunter. That's um, what I know him from, which yeah. going back to our first episodes, Mindhunter is a David Fincher show, which I, I know is one of like the touchstones no. when, when we started talking about hey. this. I was like, you know, it feels like Seven. It feels like his his uh, David Fincher and Michael Mann, like those are those feel adjacent to the way this story works. And I, I think like when he popped up, I was like, OK, I hit the nail on the head. I was right. Yeah. It's like we're, we're working in the same mode here. Yeah. Birds of a feather there. That That's interesting. Um, That is really that's a cool connection. Uh, I did yeah. know that uh, David Fincher did Mindhunter. He did. Um, and I, I think the reason that Edmund Kemper, like from reading just the, the reason that he was as notable or as like he had a big media presence because like he was not shy about giving interviews. Right. And just like talking to reporters. And he, he loved to talk, loved to hear himself talk. Um, and I, 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 I don't know if he had like if he was on the news a lot in the nineties or something that might lead Urasawa to be like, Okay, I'm gonna draw my, my serial killer in this arc to look like this guy that like I maybe I'm seeing in the news so. or stuff like that. Yeah. I think I think probably you know, and also the ninety the eighties and nineties are where like the serial killer as a pop culture phenomenon really totally. took off. Um you know, so I think that Urasawa is just kind of hanging out in there, and Ed Kemper has always been one of the more famous ones. But I expect I expect you're right, and it has to do with the news and everything. But it is it is interesting to see what Urasawa picks from the real world to to drop into the story. So this is an Urasawa open. It's a good one too, man. Is it a good one? I uh, uh, I think one of my other first notes is uh, psychoanalysts rock. So, yeah, uh, I, I loved our listing of Dudes Rock. We need to make that a segment where we just, it's, what profession <laughs> Who's rocking? Who's rocking this week? This week it's Psychoanalyst. <laughs> That's a good, that is a good segment. Who's rocking in, in Monster? I like that. Uh, yeah, this time uh, it's Rudy. What do you know about psycho psychoanalysts, psycho, psychoanalysis? So, psychoanalysis, um is uh, essentially a a brand of a brand of psychology that's it's straight up freud right and it is i guess the short way of putting it is that it's what happens when a person with a whole lot of problems decides that that's actually how everyone works and we should evaluate everyone's psychology uh based on a framework that i designed uh by examining my own problems um, and the result is some really absurd shit. Uh, and, and you just end up with a lot of very strange relations with, uh, with the parents. I'm no expert, and I'm sure that some folks uh, really cringed on that. But that's, I think that's a decent, I think it's a decent way to put it. Yeah, my, my understanding of psychoanalysis has always kind of been, okay, like, Freud was hugely influential and like a big pop culture thing as well. Mm. But like everything he wrote is almost pretty much useless um, it, by like our modern understanding of psychology and, and therapy. But and he did like get that. the ball rolling, which is something you have to say a lot about people who got the ball rolling. Right. Um, but the thing that I, the other thing I know that has come up is okay, psychoanalysis, not a good framework for evaluating people and problems. However, it can be a really interesting framework for looking at media and literature and like breaking things mm. down that way. Yes. Um, I think is like I, I going back to range touch again, like Michael Lutz and Cameron always talk about, you know, weird psychoanalysts. We're, we're doing 
literature this way. Like they, they look at it through that framework. Um, yeah. So um, the reason I noted it, uh, and again, this is like, hey, what was going on in the 90s? Um, I, I was reminded of uh, something I read about the kind of the later episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm. The ones that get real kind of conceptual and weird sure, and that sure. most people don't like. Um, what I had heard is those episodes changed. Uh, they became what they were because someone gave Hideaki Anno, um, I think, some books of Freud to read like during the production mm. of that anime. And he was like, okay, I'm going to take good. these things that I'm reading, these these concepts, and like, I also just drop heard that it ended in. up that way because they ran out of budget. That too. I think that was a big part of it. And like, he was massively depressed, just like the other thing about the end of of that show there's so much to there's a, multiple factors multiple factors there but uh, yeah i was I, I, so again i was like well was there is there you know uh, figuratively speaking is there something in the water at this point in time where like freud is having a a comeback and people are like oh this is an interesting way to think about stories let's um, let's um, let's do it probably not i don't think interesting any to more consider. than usual i mean yeah. pop psychology is always a good time Speaking of seeing patterns where there aren't any, uh, my my evil characters have closed mouths. Theory is shot. Rudy's I, mouth I is closed. I noticed it. Yeah. Yep. Well, do you? He opens his mouth. He shows his teeth like in contempt, almost. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when he cracks his mouth open. Yeah. Um. But but in general, uh, it just seems like uh, it was an interesting theory. But Rudy does Rudy does uh, uh kick it. The serial killer mostly keeps his mouth closed, except for when he's throttling Rudy at the end of this chapter. The serial killer, I really love the um the glasses. I like that you can't see his eyes. Can't see his eyes. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. goes that's that's mine. The the eyes yeah. stuff. So lots of lots of good eyes and mouth content in this in this yeah. first chapter. Yeah. Uh, great, uh, great reading for uh, eyes and mouth fans. Ears fans, keep waiting. <laughs> Your day will come. Yeah. So then so then Tenma and Rudy meet up. We get a story flash. We get a we get a, a story recap, which happens a pretty. It, it happens again later in this reading. A lot of story recaps in this manga. It's a complicated story. To I be think fair. that was what what like I bristled at the first time that I read this. I was yeah. like, why have we gone to baby mode? Like I have been I have been keeping up. We've been like, why is this being spoon fed to me? You're saying the same thing over and over and over again. And like I. I yep. Now, like, I, I, the reading of the second time, I think I got the effect that it was going for, but, like, I was a little bit frustrated. It just felt like it was, we were repeating ourselves. I think I, here's, here's my thing. Because, again, it happens later in the reading, too, and I was like, really? But keep in mind that this is a monthly manga. Mm -hmm. You know, these story recaps are, are five months apart. Oh, was it monthly? Oh, yeah, dude, Monsters Monthly. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a horrible way to experience this story. I thought it was, like, bi-weekly. No, no. Uh, manga... I, you know, that's the weird thing. I don't think I've ever heard of bi-weekly manga. Manga's either monthly or, or weekly. Uh, and, and Monster is, uh... I mean, let me double-check. I mean, weekly seems too fast, but monthly is just like, ugh... Because some of these chapters are short, is like the other thing. They're not all the same length. Sometimes it's just like, okay, one and done. Uh, Monster was released semi-monthly. So, uh, you were, which is bi-weekly. Uh, 
So, okay, I have now heard of a manga that was released bi-weekly, and it's Monsters, so every every two weeks. That feels like the right, to me, that feels like the right pace for this story. Either either way, okay, bi-weekly, even, even still. Um, but I, I get what you're saying, yeah, we gotta, yeah. We gotta recap, because, like, hey, I it's mean... It's a complicated story. Yeah, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of pieces, so yeah. it's, it's, um, it's... I, I I get it. Like I understand. Uh, but this flashback, I th- I think, is interesting. Uh, the flashback because... is fun. Yeah. Do you want me? Do you want to summarize it, or should I? Yeah. I mean, it's it's simple. We get a flashback. So so, uh, Gillen and Tenma went to college together, and Gillen thinks Tenma hates him because uh, when they were in college, Gillen was cheating on a test, and Tenma saw him cheat, and from then on believed that Tenma was looking at him with contempt. And I think when Rudy tells the story, I think it's it's really good because like oh, yeah. he says, well like you always hated me and Tenma makes a face and it's like, wait, wh- what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> what he, are you talking he does make about? a very interesting face in that panel. And like I really wonder like I really wonder what he's thinking. He looks kind of he looks kind of confused. He, he almost looks disappointed a little bit. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. And then later, it's also interesting because Rudy's talking to the serial killer and is saying some some very uh, cliche stuff about the psyche. And he's like, uh, if you move just a few centimeters from, from the uh, sane, well-adjusted person, you find a mountain of all this horrible stuff, which is very much like the psychoanalytic kind of structure of it. This idea that you have the the persona that is in line with society's expectations and just outside of that, there lie dragons, you know, all of these horrible Mm. things, Uh, which is just a, again, a poor way of understanding people in general. So he's, but he's saying this to the, to the serial killer and the serial killer is like, stop. Like this is, this is empty bullshit. And then Rudy says, you're looking down on me, aren't you? I know contempt when I see it. And that's just, I think that's really fun because those two things together in the same chapter, Rudy's just projecting. He's projecting mm-hmm. like a motherfucker onto apparently anyone. Everyone. Yeah. He, <laughs> you know. he hates himself, so he thinks that everyone else hates him too. Yeah. Which is also funny because it's like, even coming to that conclusion is a very psychoanalytical structure. And I think it's fun that Urasawa wrote the psychoanalyst to be very easily psychoanalyzed by the reader. Mm. Um, it almost feels too obvious. It, it kind of feels like Urasawa intended that to be like a game or a, a little joke or, or something like that. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of little jokes, I do think it's funny that, so the, the class that uh, Rudy cheated in was, uh, I think it was uh, forensics. Forensics. Yeah. Right. And like now he is a criminal psychologist. And Tenma regards him as an expert, right? Even having seen him cheat in this class, so I like I think that's very telling as well, right? That like mm. uh, that that almost feels like another little joke, right? Like, well, this dude cheated in the class, and Tenma still thinks he's the expert, yeah. right? What was Tenma doing in forensics? I don't know, a medical forensics or something. Maybe it was an elective. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, just learn about forensics in my free time. I think we should probably put a name on the hide things behind panel or hide things behind pages move. Yeah, we, we got to come up with something cool. I've been considering Jack in the Box. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Jack in the Box cool. panel or page. Yeah. 
yeah, we so we got a jack in the box in this chapter. Yeah, just saying it, I like it. Um, I, we got a jack in the box like in this chapter. Um, during the argument with the serial killer, we get a shot of Rudy's eye wide, and then we turn the page, uh, and he's getting strangled mm-hmm. uh, by the serial killer. Man, and this dude's big. This guy's he's a big huge. dude. Oof. Yeah, because he stands up and then he's showing his teeth, right? And he's very showing scary. his teeth. Yeah. Ooh, um, man. and Rudy's kind of like, I can hit this button and call the police in like right away, but he doesn't. Right. And I, and I think yeah. the serial killer like comments on that, like, no, because Rudy's whole thing, like we haven't really talked about it a lot, but the framing device is he is always recording tapes of yes. the, the people that he's interviewing. His wife has left him. She said something like, you know, you're a collector, you snoop inside people's minds, but you know, you're, you're never really there. Um, the deal that he cuts with the police when he doesn't believe Tedma is he wants to be able to continue to interview Tedma um, in prison so he can study him. So it's the the serial killer takes advantage of this and like knows that Rudy's morbid curiosity is going to let him get away with this, I think. And this this okay. is like how he's going to get through to him because he he is trying to convince Rudy what Tedma has also said is that, you know, this this monstrousness does exist and it's not that simple kind of light and dark that totally that uh that rudy likes to talk about there's also something interesting in the fact that so like rudy is rudy is asking the serial killer about his victims or whatever and and he is totally serial killer is just not interested he's like ask me about my last victim because what the serial killer really wants to talk about is the monster is is the one you know and it's it feels like the killer is disturbed he's bothered you know, and it's like what, what disturbs and bothers a dude who's who is a serial killer, Johan. Yeah, um, Quinn. It's time to talk about the split personality theory. Matt, take we, it away. We can't ignore it because it keeps coming up, right? It does. It keeps coming up. They keep characters keep talking about it. So, like, we have to think about this and figure out what it means, even if we think it's profoundly corny. And and Rudy does say some some stuff that kind of that recontextualizes it, or at least uh, gives us a moment to look at it in a new light. I the the first thing that I appreciate about like the discussion that him and Tenma have is he says, well, like you know, technically what we refer to it as is disassociative identity disorder, right? Like this is the clinical term for it. He talks kind of about what it means. Um, hang on, let me. I'm gonna jump to the page and and read his. Uh... Yeah, I, I think having the, the text in front of us. Yeah. Uh, clinically, split personality disorder is termed disassociative identity. Psychologists have only been researching the phenomenon for about 15 years. You believe the perp has one identity that commits these crimes and another that's trying to stop it. Is that right? And Tenma kind of confirms. And then it almost seems like Rudy is like, no, he's, he's projecting this onto someone else. This is what's happening to Tenma, which is... Um, the conclusion that that Lunga came to as well. Um, so the, the the notes that I have here, I have I have two that I wrote last night, and then one big revelation that I had this morning. Um, the text harps on the idea that everyone has the capacity to, to be monstrous, right? And that's what Rudy says with the flashlight thing that you talked about earlier, right? Like just outside the put together person, there's this swirling mass of evil. Um, I I think it's interesting that this is where the serial killer who believes in the monster, the serial killer, someone who has seen the monster and knows that it exists, he basically tells Rudy that this kind of rational explanation that you're trying to come up for it 
is bullshit, right? Like it's it's mm. it's not that simple, right? Oh, it's, it's oh, that, oh! I see what you. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Okay, so that's that's step number one, right? Okay, hold on, hold on. For the for the listeners that that uh, didn't quite put two and two together in the same way, let let me just lay that out real quick. Basically, uh, Rudy's flashlight metaphor. Uh, of the put-together person and the evil outside, we can then extrapolate into a, the, the 90s conception of a split personality, where you have the uh, rational person and then the serial killer personality on the other side. And the serial killer is saying that this distinction, and therefore the split personality theory, is bunk. Matt, continue. Okay. So th- thank you for for kind of breaking that down because um, I, I was having just trouble kind of getting it exactly out. Um, so the the next step, and this came to me um, this morning. One of the big things we talked about in the last episode was how the text keeps coming back to this idea of something terrible happened when the Berlin Wall came down, right? When this split between East and West Germany. God damn it. Uh, duality, the yeah. the falseness of duality, bringing things together. East, the uh. So I think, and I, we need to make it further into the text so I can kind of figure this out. But I think this idea of split personality is, I mean, it's all a metaphor for figuring out Germany splitting after World War Two. Is now my big picture take. Whoa, for this. that's a. I mean, yeah, that is a that is a big picture take if ever I've heard one. I mean, because what was the thing about Johann is he's going to be the next Hitler. You know, Hitler is the guy who leads to Germany splitting. There was this whole idea of, okay, we've got Eastern Germany and Western Germany. The Nazis are still here, but they're not really still here. It's this trying to change the thing so that we can hide the horrible stuff that we've done. I don't... There's a lot that's swirling around. It's, and really, it's really messy because it's, it's also like... There's other themes... What we're looking at here is we're kind of seeing like the point where all of these themes are entangling with each other and wrapping around each other and sticking out at odd angles. Because I've also been thinking about East and West Germany and and the Berlin Wall coming down and and connection between people because connection between people is also a very important thing that we'll uh, get to talk about some more later with regards to other themes. Yes, but this. Uh, uh, you were, Matt, this is a really good one. You really did blow the sucker wide open because it what it fell upon me this morning and I screamed totally. in my car. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, I screamed when I, that's, it's scream worthy. I think, okay, we'll, we'll move on further, but everybody keep this in mind. And I think maybe the takeaway here, the thing that I am going to take and play with, right? Not as a, not as an end all be all, but as something to play with for the next little while is the idea of binaries and grays. Um, because I think, especially with regards to murder and its morality, I think the concept of binaries and grays is something that monster is exploring and interested in talking about. Okay. Yeah, I think this is good to talk about because last time we really harped on the idea, hey, murder is something that you can't come back from, right? We really split it yeah. into a binary and when really maybe it is more of a gray, like you just said, or, or the story is treating it somewhere. The story is trying to decide, is it a binary or is it a gray? Yeah, I have I have more to say about that. We'll hit it later. Um, okay, that's so we'll chapter 33. 
33. Matt, chapter 34, if you'd be so kind. Okay, chapter 34. Um, and what's the what's the title of this one? Jurgen's Basement. Jurgen's Basement. Okay. So Rudy goes to the home of the Jurgen's murder. Uh, Jurgen's is the, the serial killer. Um, the murder that didn't fit the pattern. The one that he says he committed on behest of a friend. Um, he goes into the house and, uh, you know, investigates the crime scene, sees a little bit of blood still there, goes down into the cellar, um, because Jurgen's told him, okay, so the way that I killed this lady was I snuck into the cellar. I had, I hid down there for several hours and waited for her to come home and then killed her. He goes down into the cellar and finds an incredibly creepy looking doll, um, sitting on a stool and then, uh, dozens and dozens of framed photographs of the woman who had been murdered. Um, and he, he is getting ready to leave when he remembers something that Jurgens has said in an interview, pops in the tape from that interview and realizes, um, that this basement is like a perfect recreation of the basement that Jurgens described that his mother would put him in when he, uh, to punish him as a child, uh, which doesn't make any sense because Jurgens never lived with this woman. He never knew her. Um, and, uh, when, when, uh, when Rudy looks at the photos, he notices, oh, these have been like doctored. Someone has put Jurgen's head onto these, this child's body and it, it doesn't fit when he peels also, off the head. Also, this woman was childless. This woman was childless. This woman was childless is an important detail that I forgot. When he peels the head off, there's just a blank space, no face underneath. Um, and this causes Rudy to have the shocking realization that the monster inside of Johan is real. Um, and he makes the connection that this monster manipulated Jurgens into murdering the woman that lived in this house. What a chapter. Good chapter. It's a good chapter. It's fun. It's, I, it really kicks into gear, like, when he remembers the doll, which I think is a little goofy. Like, how does that, how is that not the first thing that jumps to your mind when you see that? It's like, it, it, it's like a stray thought that hits him as he's walking up the stairs. He's like, wait a minute. This guy yeah. talked about a doll. I remember this. Uh, maybe dolls are just a more common thing in Germany. Maybe. That, that, that <laughs> could know? be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't actually... I don't actually have a huge number of notes on this one. There's a couple of uh, interesting things, though, visually. Um, there are a couple of times where Rudy is out of the panel, which is actually very unusual. So Urasawa is, uh, in general, um, quite uh, comfortable within panel lines. Uh, very rarely does he extend anything outside of the boundary of the panel, unless it's a sound effect. Those can usually exit panels, but other than that, everything is is uh, confined within. Uh, which is why it's a little interesting, a couple of times in this chapter, uh, Rudy is foregrounded above panels, uh, and this happens when he is remembering something, or flashing back to something. Oh, that's a neat effect. Yeah. It is a it's a neat effect. Um it's very subtle. Uh but it's um you know in a in an otherwise uh formally quite strict manga uh, uh to me it it stands out a little bit. Uh we have a jack in the box. Um he gasps when he's in the basement and on the next page we see the doll uh in rendered in uh quite detail. Uh quite a bit of detail. I really like the shot of him standing on the stairs. With the flashlight pointed at the doll? Uh, no, when he's pausing as he's going back okay. up. Okay, that one's good too. 
I, I like I like that one because you can really feel the pull back down. Something's wrong. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I also don't have a ton of notes. I like the visual of no face for Johan. Like that fits oh, yeah. into the you know all the stuff that we know about him. He doesn't like people to see his face. But also, I just think it's like a cool like this this pile of photographs with just a, a void where the face should be. Um, I I like that. I also wrote down the phrase. It was something that Jurgens had said about Johan and their friendship is that Johan was quite the letter writer, which I, I, I just think is like a, like a fun little turn of phrase and like an interesting piece of characterization for Johan, right? It's like imagining him being pen pals with all these like serial yeah. killers. You know, well, it's, it's another case of us knowing what Johan does, but not who Johan is. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we keep... We keep learning concrete things he's done. He sent these letters. We don't know why. We don't know how much he meant. Was he being genuine? Was he just manipulating him? What was his goal? We don't really know, except, of course, to, to get to get Jurgens to do the murder. Um, I also really... The sequence where the, the serial killer is confused. He's talking about how, like, when he got to the basement, and it was a recreation of his childhood basement, how... He got so freaked out and mixed up. He was like, "Was this was this woman actually my mother? Like, what did it mean?" Um, and just the idea of someone being so completely unmoored from reality by that, and like, I just think that's the kind of thing that could happen to almost anyone, um, in a way. If you were given something that really looked like proof that that something was yours or that you belonged somewhere or that something had happened in your life that didn't. It's it's gaslighting on a truly, on a crazy scale. Yeah, well, it almost resonates with uh, Wolf's monologue in the last part about, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, how being alone, right? Like, how, how because everyone who knew him is dead and gone, there is no way for anyone to actually believe he is who he is, right? It's like the, your sense of identity and self. Like, Johan just revels in i think confusing and and manipulating people's ideas about themselves Ooh, oh that's in mm, that's an interesting let's hang on to that let's hang on to that yeah okay uh that's pretty much everything for 34 yeah that's 34 so um 35 let me see what the title of that one is 35 is after the carnival okay yeah after the carnival is um, pretty simple and pretty quick. Rudy has, uh, at the beginning of last chapter, Rudy set up Tenma. Because at the beginning of last chapter, Rudy still thought that Tenma was was uh, lying. He's told Tenma, let's meet at this carnival. And he told the cops, come and get him. And so this chapter is Rudy at the carnival. He's wearing a wire, so he's having to talk to Tenma in kind of like code. And he's drawing Tenma away from the cops and to the bus. Uh, and they have a little uh, chat. And Rudy's like, yeah, you're innocent. My B. The cops are here. And uh, then Tenma gets away and that's about it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty straightforward. I think this chapter is like extremely cinematic. It does the fun thing like where it cuts back and forth between like Rudy and Tenma's conversation and the cops being like, what's he doing? What's going on? We're going to lose him. You know, it, it feels like, yeah, a Jason Bourne movie or something like that. It's a scene yeah, that could totally. come from one of those. It didn't, honestly, this is a pretty weak chapter to me. Okay. There's a few things that I like, and they're more just like, 
action movie bits, right? Like Rudy, you know, bringing up, oh, well, I know you always hated me because you saw me cheat on that test. I used a cheat sheet and he flips his wrist open and he has written on a cheat sheet in his sleeve, hey, the cops, you're surrounded. We're being watched. You need to run. Um, because like you said, he's wearing a wire. He, he knows he can't talk. So I, I thought that was pretty good. Also, I just like a carnival always. I think it's a very fun setting for action. Street fairs, carnival, stuff like that. Yeah. I like how the carnival is um, is drawn. It's a very high contrast, deep blacks and bright lights and uh, mm-hmm. uh, not much gray. A lot of silhouettes of, of people and, and stuff. And it's a... Uh, you can you can really like almost hear the music. It's really yeah. Well, I mean, really there's the cool. the umpapa umpapa yeah. like going in the. You've got those boxes. You have the clown telling everyone Donka Shane, Donka Shane, yeah. Carnival's over for tonight. Oh, I do like the Donka Shane guy. I guess in the in the hope of being a little bit meaner to monster, I don't. I think this is kind of a boring chapter. Like, yeah, like I, I can think tell that it's. I can tell that it's supposed to be like, oh, the trap is closing. Will he get out? But the cops are just kind of like hanging around and waiting for a signal. So there mm-hmm. isn't a real sense of immediate danger. Uh, and I think that's a missed opportunity. I think Urasawa could have probably ratcheted up the, the stakes here and made it a bit more thrilling. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Um, I, I, there are, I think there are two important things that just get like really literally spelled out. And it's like mechanics yes. about how Johan works. Uh, Rudy explains this to Tenma based on like you know his his research. Um, he says first, Johan has the ability to identify murderers. He can sniff them out and he knows how to control them. Um, and then second, he asks Tenma. He says, "When did the murder stop?" And Tenma says, "Well, I I think about when he turned seventeen. And Rudy theorizes this is because not because like Johan has grown out of the need for foster families to murder. Um, which I, I can't remember if we mentioned it in the last part. The lady that Jurgen's murdered was one of Johan's um, foster parents. Oh, yeah, um, we sure did. Well, actually, that's not spelled out. I think it's, it's implied. I mean, it's um, implied. It's obviously implied, but we didn't spell it out. Right, we, we didn't spell it out. The text doesn't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our um, I smart. have the, with regards to, okay, so you're about to talk about the ideal family. Right, yeah, that was the. That's what Rudy theorizes is Johan has found his ideal family and stayed there. Yeah. So here's the fucked up thing. So my note here is Matt does it again in all caps. Matt, Wait, I don't did know I if do you it? remember this. You did. It was in episode one or two. You said something. <laughs> you said something about Johan. You're like, I, I think maybe. Oh, Johan I used is the phrase "ideal his, family." Yeah. You used the fucking. You used the exact phrase <laughs> "ideal family." Matt does it again. <laughs> So good job, Matt. And also, so I think there's something interesting when Rudy says he can identify murderers and penetrate their solitude, right? Penetrate their solitude. Yes, good. Bingo. I'm glad you, yep. you called it because I yep. couldn't remember where that phrase went. It's yes. here. Okay, thank so, you. So penetrate their solitude. So this does an important thing, right? And it does an important thing that is almost a sleight of hand. So for the reader, when they see Rudy say this, he knows how to penetrate their solitude. What this does is this actually establishes a foundational fact about serial killers, or murderers in this case. It identifies murderers with solitude. It's making a... a in, in the world of monster, in the world of this fiction, it's making a universal statement that murderers are solitary. 
and it is inherently connecting those concepts. Murder is for uh, murder is done by solitary uh, people, people who feel or are alone, uh-huh. and that is so thematically important. It is, it's incredibly important. And and uh, Urasawa just puts it there in such a casual way that you don't even notice that it is now foundational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just feels like it was always there, or you exactly know, something like that. Okay, you yeah. know. But if he hadn't said that, at no point would the reader go, "Oh, well, murderers are are solitary." But because he said it, it's there now. Uh, and that's the most interesting thing that happens. Oh, no, there is one more interesting thing that happens in the chapter. It's very cute, so I'll let Matt say it. Yeah, it's, um, so Rudy, uh, I, Rudy and Tenma, before they part, uh, they, you know, Rudy's like, you know, I, I know you always look down on me. And Tenma's like, no, I didn't. And he's like, well, why wouldn't you? You saw me cheating on that test. And he, and Tenma goes, oh, Rudy, I cheated on that test too. And then he, he does the peace sign and a little manga smile, and it's very cute. <laughs> Um, he doesn't. And he says, "I guess that. we're friends now." Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really he has a the smile when he says that is really is really lovely. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I thought was lovely was he says, "No, I I don't know why you would ever think that. Like, if anything, I wish we could have been closer in college. I always wanted to get to know you better." And like that is like such a sweet thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Matt. Chapter, Chapter 36. 36. Okay, this see. one's a one-off. This one's kind of funky. Um, Chapter 36, Journey to Fryham. Journey to Fryham. Okay, so this one starts with another Urasawa cold open. Um, we open on a elderly couple coming up on a pair of hitchhikers, and those hitchhikers are Tenma and Dieter. Um, it turns out the couple is from uh, England. They, you know, there's there's a little bit where it's Tenma tries to speak to them in German, and then has to switch to English. Um, there's some like questions about okay, why is this boy with you? You're clearly not his father because he's German. You're Japanese, um, but they, you know, the the couple agrees to take Tenma and Dieter, Dieter to Fryham, um, and then the car like immediately breaks down. Um, a truck pulls up, Ten Mendeeter get in and, and leave, and the couple expects this is the last that they'll see of them. But Ten Mendeeter walk back with gas, and then the rest of the chapter is just this group kind of making their way to Fryham. Um, it comes out that the husband is a retired police detective who prided himself on being able to spot criminals and just like immediately tell uh, when someone was a criminal. But he says that he's lost that ability and he had to quit the force. Um, there's some tension as to whether or not he's going to turn Tenma in. Uh, they stop at a police station. Tenma gets really nervous, uh, but it's then they not, leave without a problem. He doesn't explicitly say that he knows uh, Tenma, uh, but you can tell that he's kind of he's kind of uh, looking. He's kind of looking. Tenma gets the impression that this guy knows who I am, yeah. um, just from the fact that like he was a police detective, stuff like that. Um, that he was able to kind of determine Tenma was some sort of professional, maybe in the medical field, things like that. But he doesn't turn him in. Uh, they uh, make a detour to stop at a castle that the couple says, oh, you know, our son said if we were ever in the area, we should come admire the view from this castle because it's beautiful. Um, they get to the top. They're looking at the view and the couple reveals they are here in Germany because their son killed someone and is in prison and, and they're here to visit him. Um, and the father has quit the force because he was unable to tell that his son was a criminal and he feels that he has you know, 
that's why he felt he lost it. If he couldn't, you know, figure it out in his own family, he's useless on the force. The group splits, and then the husband and the wife talk, and he says, you know, I, I knew that guy wasn't evil. You know, I, I, I know he's wanted for these murders, but I don't think he's evil. I think he, he was a good person. He says, Tenma wasn't evil, and neither was our son. Um, you know, he was a criminal, but he wasn't evil. Um, and, and the chapter ends with him saying he's ready to trust his instinct again. Um, kind of a nice little corny moment. Yeah, I, I, I thought this was was fine. Really? You thought it was fine? I love this chapter. Okay, I like this chapter, but I don't like it as much as, like, the, the ones that I would say it's closest to is, like, uh, when Tenma and Dieter were being country doctors. Like, I like yeah. that more, I think. But, well, yeah, I, I, like, I think this is good. There's there's good moments in it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I have a few notes. <laughs> so when they're at a when they're at a restaurant and the guy is is telling is talking about how he lost his ability, um, you know he's having he's saying this very heavy stuff, and then you know he's he's looking thoughtfully out the window and the mood of the table is very somber. Uh, but then you look at Dieter and he's just chowing down on ice cream. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah, I love, and I love that he's... everyone loves Dieter, and the wife is like, yeah. "Do you want more ice cream?" And Tenma's like, "He absolutely cannot have more ice cream." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think probably the, so the last panel, the, the last page of the chapter is them standing in front of the of the prison uh, mm-hmm. saying, let's go visit our son. And that honestly makes me uh, tear up. I think it's really, I think it's really beautiful. It is. It is. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I wrote down this chapter as a tearjerker. For me, it was the castle sequence, like them walking up the yeah, steps and like the old man kind of like struggling to go up the steps. Like that one, I teared up a little bit reading it last night. Um, so like, yeah, I, I think this works. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I, I will go. It is a, it is fine plus and not just fine <laughs> not plus. just fine. Well, OK, OK, OK. I have one visual note about that last page. So the whole page is one panel. And so the left, right, and bottom, there's some there's some gutter space between the panel and and the page edge, right? But the top of the panel extends off the page. Oh. And um, you know, uh, Urasawa and all mangaka do this plenty. Panels extend off pages a lot, but this one feels very intentional, and it really like it opens the top of the of the page up, and it makes it feel um more expansive and yeah really big i mean i yeah. i think i've written down that is a very tall door so i mean it, it <laughs> there is that it works yeah yeah so anyway minor visual note there but so what interests me about this chapter and i think why it is effective for me is because of how well it ties into the themes and uh, how it advances the exploration of the concepts that monster is doing right so our son did kill someone but he is not evil hmm Right. So now we're now we're in that gray area. And I do want to qualify, like when I say that murder is something you can't come back from, I guess what I mean is it is something that changes you no matter what, Mm -hmm. Um, no matter what happens after you do a murder, um, you uh, your life is different. You are different. And I think that's true regardless. But uh, this chapter is Urasawa telling the reader that murder is not equivalent to evil. Um, or even if it is, it is not equivalent to a permanent condemnation of everything that person is and everything that person could be. Rosa's story also, uh, yeah. uh, told us that as well. And so like, it's just, it's, it's another, it's another point on the graph 
right, of the different ways that Monster is exploring uh, murder, what it means to take a life, uh, how you value life, uh, and how you uh, respond to it being taken away or how you respond to taking it away yourself. Yeah, no, good, good, good call. Good catch on that. Um, I, I I think that's good things to think about. Um, the only other big notes I have, I, I mean, they're not super big. The one yeah. note that I have is the Tenma Dieter relationship is so fraught. It is like such a dangerous thing, right? Like, because it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. People are always like, what's going on here? When they see the mm-hmm. two of them together. And like, he, Tenma has taken on significantly more risk, like, carrying this child around with him wherever he goes but it it's it seems to be the it seems to have been the right call i think is the thing so far um the only other note i have is like how big and rural is germany in the 90s um because we've had a couple times where they're just like driving through the countryside and it's like uh oh nothing's around for miles and miles and miles um which is just like you know I guess growing up in the northeastern United States and like DC and metropolitan areas my whole life, that's it's just something that feels so out of place and out of time to me. Yeah, you gotta you gotta remember, um the eastern seaboard has some of the worst sprawl of anywhere. Yeah. Most other places in the world have have better urbanization techniques. Uh Europe Europe really does have a um a decent amount of countryside. Uh, probably in the 90s, it was more likely that you would end up with a gas station like nowhere nearby. But uh, yeah, it's it's realistic. Yeah, it's fair. I, I, I'm, I'm anyway. sure it is. It just it feels yeah. it feels really quaint in a way that like I, I mm. like, I think is, is the thing. Yeah. All right. OK. Chapter 37. 37. A happy holiday. Who? We cut to Nice. In southern France, Mueller, the other detective, that uh, the other police detective that was on Johann's payroll, who killed Nina's parents, uh, we're focusing on him now. He's got a wife and a kid and a very nice house set up for him by the mob. Um, he's going to have a little art business. He's got a, a whole life set up, but he is haunted uh, by, uh, by, by his his murders of the of the foreigners um and he has a detective that he's hired to look into uh, what happened to his uh, old partner on the force mester uh, and to look into essentially who who is controlling his life is how he puts it um because it kind of just feels like after he did those murders for johan everything fell into his lap why he doesn't understand and it's scaring him and the chapter ends with him finding his detective dead and Nina showing up and saying, Hey, dude, your bodyguard just killed this guy. Come with me if you want to live. Hell yeah. Yeah, this one is, is set up, um, but I, 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 think it's, I think it's cool. Um, I didn't realize right away who this was. Um, and so when, it, yes. when, when he meets with the French detective... And it reveals uh, this is the other guy. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Because, like, after Messner was reintroduced to the story back during the baby arc, like, it was kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, okay, what happened to the other guy? Like, where yep. is that dude? So, like, I, I, I like that, you know, I feel like we've waited the perfect amount of time and now we check in with that guy. Like, we're, we're tying up that thread a little bit is what it feels like. 
Um, and I really appreciated, you know, we talked earlier in the last arc about like exposition to catch people up. I really appreciated the catch up exposition from the French detective in this one. Like I thought this was like, okay, perfect. This, this time it works. Like maybe it was just, I had forgotten these plot points and not the other ones. That's interesting because I like this one less. Okay. The first one, I feel like I was more able to skip over. I was able to identify it as being stuff I already knew. But this mm-hmm. one I felt more like, well, maybe there's something I don't know in here. And and that was kind of annoying. But uh, yeah. Okay. Um, my first note here, uh, it's Quinn's Bar Corner. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. We got a little, got another little segment. I don't, yeah. Uh, they're drinking a nice cold Moscow mule. Um, unfortunately, they're doing it wrong. Yeah, it's a clear glass. I noticed that. Exactly. Exactly. So a Moscow mule, friends, uh, a Moscow mule consists of vodka, ginger beer, and lime juice, but crucially, it is supposed to be served in a copper mug. Um, And these are not served in a copper mug. And the story goes that in Los Angeles, there were three salesmen that went to a bar, one of which was selling, um, I believe uh, the brand was Cock and Bull uh, Ginger Beer. Someone was, uh, there was a dude from Russia trying to sell Smirnoff Vodka, and there was a dude trying to sell uh, copper mugs. And they all ended up at the bar together, and they were bitching about business. And then uh, they decided to put everything together, and voila, the Moscow Mule was born. Definitely one of those fun, apocryphal cocktail stories. Although, I think it's one that has a tiny bit more veracity than some. Uh, but it still seems pretty far-fetched to me. Uh, they're good drinks. They're simple drinks. You can do a lot off of the basis of a Moscow Mule. I mean, it's, you know, vodka, ginger beer, and lime. It's, you know, it's hard to fuck up. Okay, so yeah, so really, uh, I think kind of the interesting thing about here that we're exploring with Mueller, right? What does murder do to you? What does, what does killing someone, how does that impact a person? And I think that's kind of what we're exploring here with this dude. You know, like seeing the the quote unquote ghosts of of the people he killed. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, like on paper, everything has worked out for him. Like he has fairy tale ending, right? Like he's got beautiful wife that he loves, a stepson who like gives him grief, but like seems to love him. Like there's a little bit where it's like you know he won't call him pop papa. He just calls him pops, um, and then at the end of the chapter calls him papa. Um, but the, like the, the mechanical thing is there's a house across the street, um, that overlooks the house where Mueller lives and he's, he, he's very creeped out by it. He keeps thinking he sees lights in the windows and his wife tells him like, oh, well the rumor is that house is haunted. And then he can't stop seeing the ghosts of, uh, the Fortners in the, in the window of that house. Yeah. He, uh. He sees them in a dream and and does like the the silent dream scream thing and then wakes mm-hmm. up. Uh, it's a good panel. It's a good panel when he does that scream. Um, hey, I this is probably just a coincidence, but I did think it was interesting that like the Fortners have almost the same faces as the British couple from the last chapter. I think that's just a limited number of old people faces. Yeah, I like I'm positive that's what it is, but like I I did think it was at least interesting. Uh I don't really have have oh, much I, else. I I have I have one more note. There's like uh, you know, Mueller and his bodyguard Roberto have kind of like a back and forth at one point where they're playing chess. Um and you know, they're they're like having 
banter uh and roberto's like oh you know me i'm just you know a, a loyal servant uh i'll let you beat me at chess ha 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 um but he says at one point he's like maybe you know you may want to reconsider your next move um and Mueller pauses and there's like the, the spine tingle and he says like wait what and then roberto kind of plays it off like oh no i was just trying to keep you from beating me here at chess um so there's like this hint that that it, like spider senses are going off that that something's Ooh. wrong and like that's i, I think get. that's a fun little moment yeah roberto ah uh, roberto um can't wait to talk about roberto was there something else oh yeah uh, one one thing that is important is that we learn why Mueller did the murder and how he ended up on mm. the payroll. That's important. Yeah. Uh, so, him and Messner were involved in reselling confiscated drugs, and then someone from Johann's cadre uh, called them and said, "Hey, uh, we're blackmailing you, idiot. Uh, kill this, kill these nice people," and uh, and they did it. And then they got paid. They didn't even know they were going to get paid. They just didn't want to get caught for uh, uh, drugging. So there you go. Yeah, and at the end of the chapter, uh, we see the dead detective. Urasawa drawing dead people is so good. His dead bodies are so convincing and and fucked up. Uh, And then we see Nina and we're like, oh, fuck, was it Nina? Did Nina kill him? No, no, it's, it's fine. She didn't. She didn't. It's cool. That's chapter 37. That's chapter 37. Uh, chapter 38 is entitled Revenge at Gunpoint. Um, mm. So uh, chapter 38 opens uh, right where we left off. Nina and Mueller escape from the bodyguard, Roberto, um, and they grab the detective's notes on the Mueller and Messner case. They, they take his briefcases. They run out. Um, they split up for a second. Mueller thinks he's going to get away by himself. He jumps into his sports car. Nina's in there. She's got him at gunpoint. And she's basically like, she's you, got you, a thought gun. I was gonna, you thought I was going to let you get away, you idiot. Um, and they, they, they speed away and are driving along some seaside cliffs. Um, and Mueller is like immediately trying to make excuses for himself um, about like why he had to kill Nina's parents. Like I didn't have a choice. Like you don't understand. I was being blackmailed. I didn't have a choice. I think that's the thing he keeps saying. Yeah. Um, Nina will have none of this. She makes him pull over um, on like a very conveniently placed seaside cliff. That's like beautiful imagery, right? She's holding him at gunpoint on the seaside cliff and just like shouting at him, right? Like screaming at him, like, you're telling him he's a piece of garbage for killing her parents. Um, and the thing she keeps saying over and over again about her parents is like, they loved me. They truly loved me. Like they weren't my real parents, but they loved me. They were wonderful people and you killed them. And for what? And she's holding him at gunpoint and she's going to kill him. And then he starts kind of blubbering um, about his, his wife and his stepson. Um, and he says, now I understand what it, it means to be killed. Uh, there's like, a th- you know, he, he explains his backstory a little bit and then they, they crack open the detective's files. Um, and they learn that Messner, um, so previously what had been assumed was, um, Messner like overdosed because he was a junkie. Um, and what they learn is he didn't overdose. He was killed by someone from Dusseldorf. Like they sent someone in to clean up because he was too much of a liability. And then the chapter ends with Nina and Mueller getting a call on the car phone um, from Roberto, who uh, basically makes a threat against Mueller's family and says, you should come back with those files. Yeah. 
Cool. Any notes? Any notes to start off? Uh, yeah, my first three notes are Nina's outfit is so cool. Nina with a gun is so cool. I have such a big crush on Nina. Great. Um, she continues to be the best. I, I love her so much. Um, yeah, I, hang on, let, let's just do the, 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 what's, what's Nina wearing? Um, I think it's like it's some sort of, she's got like a vest and a cool Yeah, she's got t-shirt. like an open vest and, uh, some shorts. Yeah, it's, it's real It's beachy. a very it's casual a fit. Vibe. Like a yeah. 90s, yeah, it's, she's, she's fitting in, yeah. I would almost, yeah. honestly, a little bit in one of these frames on 135 when she's holding him at gunpoint. It's a little bit of a Tenma fit in the in the chapter mm, when Tenma and Heckle kinda, meet up. Like we've got like yeah. a flowy flowy open shirt and a gun. Um, so that's that's the first note that I have. And then the second one is yeah. I love this seaside cliff. Like I think it's it's, it's such a cool location. Uh, yeah. What do you got note wise to start? Um, there's a I have a some visual notes um for this one. So the chapter kind of starts with, you know, like Nina being like, hey, you can do whatever you want, um, but Roberto is going to kill you. Uh, And one thing that I really think is cool is that at the top of one of the pages is there's a few panels. There's like a really close up shot of Roberto drinking water and then a shot of his hand putting the glass down on the the, uh, counter and then a close up shot of his feet uh, crossing the threshold between rooms and it's so like perfect it's super fincher right like it's super fincher it's just like slow like tick 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 uh i think it's really cool and then he climbs the stairs um and and we see mueller getting progressively more freaked out as you hear the footsteps of roberto climbing the stairs uh i I just think that's cool it's a cool sequence it's very super menacing yeah it's 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 really neat roberto uh, I, I have this note in the next chapter, but Roberto is a truly threatening character in a really rare way. Like, you can have characters that you know are a threat where you're like, yeah, this guy will probably do something bad in the plot. But Roberto is cold as ice. He is cold as fucking ice. Mm-hmm. Does he, he doesn't, does he open his mouth? Are we back to not opening mouth, evil, freaky people? Uh, he opens his mouth. The theory is shot. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. I won't bring it up. I thought it was a good theory. So it's, you know. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Here's something else that I think is interesting visually. Which is that, I can't believe I didn't notice this before, but Urasawa, his panel size is super varied, right? There will be times when he can fit a larger panel into a space. He has room on the page, but he doesn't do it. He'll have a short panel in between two long panels. Um, he'll, he'll have a, a square panel in between two rectangles, or he'll just leave dead space into dead area. And I don't really know why other than to give the layout room to breathe and and to vary it up but i just think it's um it's not it's not a common thing to see in layout generally speaking an artist will take the space they are given and use uh, pretty much every inch up to the edge of the page and urasawa doesn't do that he never does that there's always space and uh, i just think that's cool um I don't think there's any deep analysis to do there, but it's just, you know, if you're interested in this kind of thing, it's something to uh, keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at page 138. Um, oh, that's where which, I am. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and the thing that I was going to bring up is, like, yeah, we see... So, uh, at the top of this page, it's, like, it's a panel that's short and leaves some, some white space. Like, we see this a lot in moments of kind of high tension and zooms, I think, sometimes are usually accompanied with it. And um, I think it's, like, like you said, I mean, it's a subtle thing that maybe you don't notice, but I, I think adds to the effect. Um, the, I, I really like this page. I like the zoom on Nina, like moving kind of diagonally to the right down the page. Like we're tracing almost a line as Ooh, we move wait, further oh, in on Oh, that's the face. really good. I missed that. It's, oh, that's I, actually... I, I like it a lot. Um, the other yeah. thing, and this is more just like a goofy thing. I really like the panel of her with the binoculars. I think it's funny looking a little bit. <laughs> that's it. It's another image macro. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, like I if we have a, a Discord server, if we yeah. have a Discord server, like that's a... That's, That's an, an emoji. emoji. For sure. It's, it's yeah. an emoji for sure, yeah. Um, a couple more notes. When Mueller is like, what choice did we have? And Nina's like, what choice? Uh, there's a great panel of her with the static uh, screen tone in the background. Oh, man. Uh, bottom bottom right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Page 134. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can really, especially with her with her face and gritted teeth, and you can just feel the... The absolute rage pouring out of her. Um, oh, okay, I've got a couple other things. I've been talking a lot. Matt, tell me you have something else to say about the chapter. I don't need the chapter to be the Quinn show. Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote down, I think the his backstory is a little bit saccharine, but, like, it's saccharine in a way that I like. I mean, this is the end of, this is, I love cafe scenes like this, right? Like, there's the, the one cafe. that jumps to mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, where, like, so his whole backstory is, like, when he got set up by the mob, his job was just, he had to dress up like a businessman, and go sit at this cafe every day oh, and right. like wait to be contacted, right? And like what he says is every day there was a mom, like a single mom and a kid that would walk by. And it just always made him happy that he would see these two people walking by. He says something like they were the only decent people I'd see all day. Um, yeah. And then finally, you know, he, he introduces himself and then that's how he, you know, meets his wife, stuff like that. Um, but I like this setup for a scene. I've seen it in... Well, I mean, I I know this is how Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy starts, is with a cafe scene like this. Um, I know that this is how the third Dark Knight movie, the Nolan one, like, that's how it ends, right? It's like the idea that, oh, Alfred always hopes maybe he'd see Batman in a cafe, like, you know, with a with a wife or something like that. There's something, it's like a, it's like a happy place thing, I think. Like, the, huh. the fantasy of being at a European cafe and eating coffee cake and drinking coffee and just being happy. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. All right, so I think I think it's a little bit saccharine, like I said, but I well, also, also think it's, it's interesting. It's, it's saccharine, but I think the interesting thing about it is that it is a saccharine life and a saccharine story for a man who doesn't fucking deserve it. No, you know, and I, that's what interests me about it is that this guy is telling this this cute little love story to the girl whose parents he killed mm-hmm. in cold blood. And I think she says, like, when, before he starts telling it, she is like, how dare you? Like, yeah. she is she is outraged that he would he even... He invokes his family to mm-hmm. her. Jesus. However, there's a really important... There's a really important thing here. He says, so this is what it means to be killed. I have people I don't want to lose now. Before, he could he kill... Alone. Because he was alone. Ooh, ooh. It also implies if 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 being alone is what enables one to kill, gives you the capacity, yeah. If uh, and and 
if killing is equated with not valuing human life, and mm-hmm. I, I think that in in the world of monster, it is. Oh, but that's like across the board. That's the why did I say that? What did I <laughs> religious <laughs> like, reading of why thou shalt not kill is one of the Ten Commandments? All that stuff, you know. Oh, really? Oh, huh. why does it? Because I think it comes right after thou shalt not steal. There's, I'll, I gotta it's go the back second and look one? at my No, 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 no. It's it's like four or five. I just wow, that's a that's a further down than I expected. Um, anyway, but but the important thing is that this also equates holding uh, if you give human life value it's because you share your life with others mm. that connection with others is what enables you to value them as equals and as people who share the human experience and we saw this in in uh, five spoonfuls of sugar mm-hmm. right because seeing that fifth spoonful allowed him to connect with that person and see him as a human and all of a sudden life had value mm-hmm. right um, so just another point of uh, connection and loneliness being strong forces. Uh, God, my in, therapist in is going to be so happy Monster. with me. So one of the things that one of the things that we talk about that, <laughs> yeah. that him and I have talked about a lot that like one of the things he's introduced that I it's like a framework that I like to use. It's you know you've got the 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 square the the x and y axis that splits into four quadrants right and it's this idea that um, it's like how you view yourself and how you view others, right? So you've got like the I, thou, right? It's like when you view yourself as a person, you view the other person as a person. You've got the me, it, right? Where it's like you, just you and the other person's an object. It, it, right? Where like you don't value yourself and you don't value the other person. And then the it, thou, right? Where you don't value yourself, but you value the other person. And the idea is like, okay, you should be in the one where it's like both of you are seeing your humanity. So I yeah I, I I don't know that just made me think of that that's I, I again like sometimes stuff from psychology is like also useful frameworks for evaluating literature is maybe the maybe like I mean, the, the takeaway frameworks here. frameworks from psychology are important for evaluating art because art is made by people. Good point. I have a couple more notes. I'm sorry. No 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 no, no. I I have one more but it's a goofy one so okay. yeah, hit your big notes and then I will hit my so, goofy one. So there is, so right, right, uh, after the, how dare you, you know, um, she points her gun at him and he cowers and a wave crashes against the cliff. And now here is the thing. The sound effect for the wave crashing against the cliff is Dawn, which coincidentally is also the sound effect for a gunshot. So to a Japanese reader, they see this and they don't know whether the sound effect is the wave or the gun or both. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, right? That's fantastic. <laughs> right? And this is a jack-in-the-box, right? This is a jack-in-the-box where, where Urasawa is making go, oh, fuck, what's on the next page? And then we turn the page and he's not dead. Okay. And he's not oh, dead! That's great. Yeah. Isn't it? That's um, so cool. Yeah. Okay, one more note. She asks him about... Roberto. Yes, this is where my note is as well. Do it, Matt, do it, do it. <laughs> well, they go through this whole thing, like, after she decides she's not going to kill him, she's like, wait, okay, tell me more about Roberto. And they have this kind of, they have this extremely funny back and forth where he's like, I mean, his name's Roberto. And she's like, last name? He's like, I, I don't know. She's like, where's he from? He said his country doesn't exist anymore. How did you find this guy? 
uh, he had special training as what? An assassin? And she's just like, what the fuck? You absolute moron. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a funny, that's really funny that you read it humorously, because I didn't. Oh no! It continues really into the that. next chapter. Like yeah. I like there, there's a line in the next chapter where like I actually laughed out loud. It's another Roberto fact that gets dropped. <laughs> Roberto facts. Roberto um, facts. New new segment. Uh, Matt, do you know what country Roberto is from? Probably East Germany would be my East guess. That's Germany. like what what jumped. His country to mind. no longer exists. Mm-hmm. It was eradicated. It doesn't exist anymore. East Germany. Hmm. Okay. Man, lots to talk about in chapter 38 there. All right. Chapter 39. Uh, This one's me, isn't it? That one's you. Yeah. Um, Oh, we got to say the name of this chapter. The the name of this one's important. Chapter 39. A brighter tomorrow. Never a good sign. Nina takes Mueller back to his house. And uh, his wife and kid are fine. They're fine. Everything's fine. The detective's body has been cleaned up. Roberto takes the files from Mueller and says, you can live happily with your wife and child. Just stop looking into everything and it'll be okay. Have a nice life. And uh, he makes plans to go fishing with his kid the next day, which is a bad, it's a bad idea. Uh, never, never make plans yeah, you're marked to go fishing for death. In, in a thriller. Uh, and then we cut to a warehouse where Roberto and, and some goons have, have Nina. And Roberto's like, yeah, you've got to die because uh, you're trying to kill Johan. And she's she's going to get got. And then Mueller shows up and, and takes out some of the goons. And, uh, but there's one goon left and he fires and Nina fires at the same time. And then we cut to a car on the road and, uh, Nina's driving and Mueller is bleeding out in the, uh, in the passenger seat. And it's very sad. And that's, that's, uh, chapter 40, A Brighter Tomorrow. Uh Chapter thirty nine. Sorry, I was just I was just looking at the next page where it said chapter forty and got in my head. Uh, Chapter chapter thirty nine. This chapter has some very good moments. Um, I'm I'm going to start with the Roberto fact because I teased that in in the last segment. What's what's the Roberto fact, Matt? First page, they show up at the house and Nina's like, "Hey, isn't this a little weird that like he's holding them hostage at your house? Doesn't that put him at a disadvantage? Don't you think this is weird? Like you're a cop?" And he says. Yeah, no, it is kind of weird. Like, it would make much more sense if he took me to the old abandoned factory where he lives. <laughs> the old abandoned factory where he lives? Wait, 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 wait. Wait. No. Surely. Where he lives? Where he lives! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is... What? Roberto just playing to type, I guess. It's so funny. It's so good. Roberto, no last name, lives in an abandoned factory, trained as an assassin. (laughs) 
Jesus. He's my friend. What a guy. <laughs> he's my he's my friend. He's my trusted friend. He's my bodyguard. He's great. Oh, he's Roberto, Roberto, he's super chill. Yeah. Oh man. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, that cracked me up. Factory. Like... I want to make a dating profile for for this guy. Um, <laughs> oh, Christ. Man. Oh, uh, dudes will really live in uh, dudes will really live in abandoned factory and say there's no problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, holy shit! I um, I don't have a lot of notes for this chapter. Uh, again, Roberto's super threatening. It's really threatening when he's like, uh, what, what is he? What's he? He says specifically. You want to live happily ever after with Barbara and Fritz. Well, that's just fine. That's just fine. It's fucking scary. Mm -hmm. It's fucking scary when a guy like this is just going away. He, yeah, he's he's a spook. Um, okay, so the, the two, uh, notes that I had for this... It really does suck how often Nina is getting kidnapped, but I mean, she she's always able to deal with it, you know. So it, it kind of works out. But like, that often? Uh, yeah, I guess she's it happened. Kidnapped it's, a lot. It I mean, it happened twice. in the last chapter too, and she almost got kidnapped when she was introduced. Hmm. Tema, they barely averted hmm. that. Yeah, it is offset by her Just saving some other people who were kidnapped. Yeah. Then it, people get kidnapped in this manga a lot. Like, kind of everybody's getting kidnapped all over. Tenma gets kidnapped, like, at least three times at this point, I think. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think we can at least say that it's not super gendered. Uh, Monster is cashing in on the 90s fear of being kidnapped. Yeah, <laughs> big, big time. Uh, yeah. Um, the other note that I had, uh, well, well, one note that I had, like, cause we haven't, eyes, eyes is still a working theory. Eyes are the window to the, the soul. I'm not giving up on that one yet. Um, cause the, it, what, what Roberto says is, you know, that Nina has such lovely eyes. She looks just like Johan. Um, and mm. that's why he can't, you know, he can't bring himself to kill her, even though anyone who wants to kill Johan has to be killed. Um, so there's, there's something to the eyes. I thought that was like a fun little bit. He he mentions the eyes three times, mm -hmm. so I think your theory just got another um, just got another we'll put point another in pip favor. in that in that yeah uh, yeah definitely for eyes yeah those eyes though oh Roberto's design is just really I think it's really good he's got these he's got these big lips big lips he's got those big lips but they're real soft mm hmm yeah. And he's, his eyes are always kind of like, he's always, I mean, not like squinting, but, you know, it's not he like looks he's bored. eyes wide They're open. Half yeah, closed, he's kind of, you know, he's doing other stuff. He can't be bothered. He's, I, I guess it's kind of like the effect that it has, along with his kind of permanent small smile or smirk, is just a dude who is supremely confident mm. and an apex predator almost oh that's something good. that can just that can handle anything he just has this air that he can handle anything uh he's got a big nose got little eyebrows got thinning hair i think he's fun i think he's fun to look at he's cool um i'm on page 164 there's a really cool panel that i think i, I skimmed over initially um it's when he says what beautiful eyes you have for like the first time and it's him and the three other goons. 
um, just kind of standing as, as Nina sits, and they're, like, kind of menacingly standing over her. I think that's a pretty cool panel. It is. I like that it's silent. I like that it's just them hanging out in mm-hmm. uh, Roberto's house. In his home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is his uh, This is his living room, I imagine. It is a good panel. I like the light coming in through the windows. Mm-hmm. It's got a cool vibe to it. Uh, a panel earlier that also caught my eye is uh, when... Roberto uh, walks away from Mueller, and Mueller is silhouetted in front of a window, and he looks so powerless and helpless, and his body language is just really, uh, really well done there. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Isn't that a good panel? I think yeah, that panel's I, I awesome. I skimmed over that one, yeah, because he's It's an he's easy really one to miss, like, like... He's defeated. Yeah, he's slouched. Yeah, he's he's defeated. really just, like... The house is really forward. well rendered. A lot of hatching, a lot of lines, a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Uh... I think it's a really important panel. Um, Roberto also brings up the ideal family. He says that Johan is collecting a tremendous sum of money with his ideal family. Um, and he's going to go find him. So yeah, Nina's, that... Nina's like, hey, what's Johan doing with that? And Roberto's like, no, you're going to die, so... It's time to die. <laughs> time um... to die. And then... Mueller, Mueller shows up and uh, does, a, does a few murders uh, in self-defense, which I think... I don't know. There is actually... Okay. There is an interesting question here. Which is... At the end of this altercation, right? One of the goons fires. And Nina fires. And then we cut. Did Nina kill that guy? I think she did. I think she did. It's kind of weird to cut away from... It's kind of weird to cut away from that, though. Considering... um. The weight that 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 uh, ending a life has in in monster, but I think because it's in self defense explicitly, that doesn't really factor into the moral calculus. Yeah, this is Nathan Drake still... killing a hundred pirates on the way to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a oh, it's unavoidable. Um, I think it's weak. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's weird that it's not addressed. Maybe it's addressed later. Maybe she feels guilt about it later. Uh. I know that the characters, I know that several characters, like, do some little therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe she discusses it. I hope she does, because it seems like a waste for a manga yeah. so uh, occupied with killing to gloss over just throw uh, the first there, time she ends right? a life. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she just, like, wounded him more. You know? Or maybe mm-hmm. she missed. Maybe. It feels like an unnecessary, like... Damn, he's still alive. Like, cause he he sits up and takes a shot, right? And it's like ah, that doesn't really feel like we. Yeah. We well, he that. does. He does. He did take a shot to the gut. He's probably. It's probably already a fatal shot. Oh yeah, that, um, that dude's dead. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the end of this chapter. Oh, I, I one note, one very ooh, quick note um, on the on the gunfight. This is this is like a me- a mechanical thing. Um, Nina had given uh, Mueller her gun, and there's like a brief conversation where they say like. Where she says, like, hey, you've only got four shots. Um, and in that fight, like, he uses all four shots, right? It's like, I went back and counted them. It's like, one of those perfect, it's that competence porn, that Michael Mann, like, I am efficient, like, bam, 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 bam. Like, it's, y- you love to see it. Dude's rock. Absolutely. But, uh, sorry, back to the, the close of this one. It's really, it's another Urasawa knife twister. Yeah. And it goes, you know, we're almost there. Mueller's like, tomorrow I'm supposed to take him fishing. I hope it's sunny. And Nina says, I'm sure it will be. 
it's really good. They're driving off into the sunset. Like he's bleeding yeah. out. He's either gonna die or he's gonna turn himself in. Right? It's like there's two. He's options. gonna die. He's, he's not going fishing. I don't know. I had I had written down that maybe he's gonna turn himself in. He's gonna. Die. I don't know if he's gonna die. I don't. I you, mean, he's probably. You see, gonna die. you see how his you see how his lips have those like little lines. Yeah, he don't look good. Yeah. Uh, one one last thing. Nina's face on this last page is so conflicted. Like mm. maybe it's just because we know. We can guess how she's feeling, but to me, this face is feeling so many different things. So, it just like, just sorrow, this person's dying, but he needed to stay alive so I could turn him in for killing my fucking parents, but he has a family, but, you know, but he saved my life. Like, oh my god, it's complicated, and yeah. I just feel like you can see that. Uh, you can see that on her face here. Well, I wrote down that this reminds me, and I've I've brought this comic up before because it is it's it's one of my favorite single issues of like American Cape comics. Um, it's the one of the issues of the Denny O'Neill run of the question um, that you and I read, I think, on stream one time before we started this podcast. Um, where that issue Man, that ends, was a while ago. It was a long time ago. It was back in September. Um, um, that issue ends with a guy, a horrible, like, racist dude taking a bullet for um, Vic Sage, the question. And um, as he as he dies in his arms, you know, Vic Sage has this kind of, like, last monologue, like, why did it have to be you? You know, why did you have to be the hero? Why couldn't it have been literally anyone else? Like, I hate you. Why did you do this for me? And I th- I th- when we talked about that initially, we had said, like, ah, you know, Daniel O'Neill, like, even in the 80s, like, he really, f- that, that feels old-fashioned and, like, kind of goofy in a way. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned earlier when we were talking about um, how rural and empty can Germany be, how, you know, it felt a little bit quaint. But I think the thing is, like, sometimes that works. Like, so there's a reason to play the classics. Like, this is a, this is totally. a good, solid end to, a, um, to an episode of TV like a, a a crime comic story whatever like i think arasawa knows when to play the classics yeah um i really like her response right because i think it fits in with that ambivalence right like she's not like telling him like hey everything's gonna be okay she is giving that is like the most neutral response to something like like when i'm mad at someone and they ask me if i can do something i say sure you know it's this is she is it is the the least amount of effort to still do the right thing i think right like she hates that she has to say this to him and maybe she doesn't i don't know maybe i'm reading it wrong but i'm sure it will be like i it's it's a good line to end on there's a million different yeah. ways you can read that yeah you know and the panel is them driving on this uh, cliffside in the ocean and the sunset and oof yeah um, I want to go back to the title of this chapter real quick, A Brighter Tomorrow, because that is the thing that, um, that's Tenma's rebuff to what Hartman has told Dieter, right? Like, the yep. world is black as night, tomorrow is black as night. Day. Yeah, and Tenma tells Dieter tomorrow's going to be a good day, tomorrow will be, you know, a brighter day. Uh, you know, it's it's not, I don't think it's word for word the same thing, but like, it, it, it reminds me of that thing right and it's that idea that tomorrow's gonna be a bright which i think is another theme of this comic right it's like yes tomorrow is gonna be a brighter day so yeah i made the mistake of i was paying attention during the ending credits of the first episode of the anime yesterday and it seems like there's a phrase that gets used um a little bit later on about hope 
So I'm not I'm not going to bring that up because I don't think it's, it's oh, relevant yeah. to us yet. But sure. um, that's it's definitely a theme of the comic to think about. Yeah. Whew. Chapter 40. Uh, is this you? This one's me. Yeah, even, even numbers are me. So uh, the title of this chapter is Lunge's Prediction. Um, we're, we're in the Lunge zone. Um, <laughs> yeah! Um, okay. The murder of a wealthy couple draws attention as another link in the chain of Johan's killings. A reporter confirms the connection with Lunga, and Lunga sets to work visiting the scene of the crime and stepping through the murder. Um, he tells a neighbor... The Tenma wasn't the murderer, but shows her a picture of Tenma and says, if this man shows up, let me know. Um, and then he goes to confront the real murderer, um, the couple's nephew, a automotive executive um, who was set to inherit uh, everything from his, his wealthy aunt and uncle. Um, and, you know, Lunge deduces that, hey, this is the dude who did the murder. Um, the dude denies it. Lunga leaves. Um, and at the same time, the reporter who had checked in with Lunga earlier in the story has, he's come to the same conclusion that this wasn't a murder by this, you know, Johan, this was a copycat, um, cause he was able to dig up the financial records on the nephew, kind of put the pieces together, figured out like, this is the dude that did it. Um, so he, he confronts Lunga and says like, why did you set me up? Why did you have me spread misinformation? Um, and Lunga reveals that he is using this as a trap so that he can catch the real murderer who he believes is, is Tedma. Um, he then, he busts out a little bit of blackmail information on the journalist. He says, like, hey, I know you're cheating on your wife. Like, you need to continue to run with this misinformation. Um, there's, they have a little bit of a back and forth. And then the chapter ends with Tedma taking the bait. He's shown up in town, and he's here to investigate this murder. Yep. I sure do love Lunge. He's a I like this chapter shit. a lot. <laughs> he's such a fucker. Like... This man, he will do any bullshit he needs to do. I, I also love how, like, his bread and butter, like, his go-to move is just knowing that people are cheating on their significant others. <laughs> and, like, that is his, like, uh, multiple times he has used that to get people to do what he wants yeah. them to do. He loves threatening people. Yeah, he really, he really does. does. Like threatening people. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, let's also, so the chapter title is Lunge's Prediction. So here's the thing, right? So Lunge walks through the crime, and this is also my favorite part of the chapter. It's super fun. He like mm -hmm. he uh, he gets to the house and he stops and he goes, "I am the killer. I am the killer through and through." And then he like talks to himself and he talks himself through the crime and he does a he says a lot of really fun shit when i read this i read the whole thing out loud to myself cuz it's just goddamn just so much fun um uh i slash again this time wounding the husband's right shoulder another blunder i'm a total amateur um it's just fun and so here's the thing he does this after he has told everyone it's connected to the crimes. And then, in the, in the middle of doing this, he realizes that it's not. It's called Lunge's Prediction because he did think initially it was part of the string. Mm -hmm. And then he realized it was copycat. And then afterwards, he was like, okay, I can run with this. Yeah, it's, he's, he's on his feet. He is, he is a machine. 
Um, I I really like um, the one thing that I will say like to our listeners to you if you if you really like that section like like Quinn does about like I am the murderer stepping through the thing um, I would recommend you watch Hannibal um, the the television series because that's like so uh, for those of you who don't know Hannibal was a uh, crime procedural that ran on I think it, ABC or NBC one of the networks um back in like 14 15 16 yeah this tv show it was on tv somewhere it was it was on network television it's like the big important thing about i i guess that is i guess that is not because it was like how is this show not this is this is a cable show how is this running on the network like that was always the discourse oh i see um uh but it's you know it's the silence of the lambs like hannibal uh hannibal lecter right and it's a procedural where it's will graham the criminal psychologist and hannibal lecter it's like their origin story, right? And Will Graham's power, like, in the stories is always he is able to perfectly empathize with murderers, right? And that is how he's able to, like, do his thing is he can he can put himself in their shoes and, like, know what they did, right? And it's, it's like, mentally exhausting and, like, torturous for him. Um, and the whole, like, game of that show is Hannibal realizes, like, oh, this is, like, bad for this guy. And I, I like that it's bad for him. And I'm going to push him to keep put doing this thing that is bad for him um well at the same time you know hannibal is a serial killer who is killing and eating people so that's that's what it made me think of sorry to, to tangent but um i i also really like that that section yeah it's fun let's see yeah he's plotting it's fun uh he goes to the the woman next door um you know and he talks to her a bit and there is just a funny thing where he says, well, she sounds like a wonderful woman. I'm sure she'll be missed. And he, he is trying to make a human facial expression, uh, but it's not going very well. And I just think it's funny how inauthentic he looks when he's doing it. Mm-hmm. He almost looks like he's making fun of her. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um yeah man that is a that is a face like the head cocked <laughs> a little bit to the side yeah he's it's, like it's 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 hard to say what emotion he's even trying to do it's it's pretty good um the other thing i, I like in this section with the neighbor is when they talk about um you know how he says uh well the lady says oh you know she always waved and, and you know smiles and and waved at me when i would say hi to her in the garden and he says she heard you when you said hi. Like, she's hard of hearing. She can't hear. Like, that was in the coroner's report. Um, and uh, th- then the lady says, oh, well, she must have just then kept it really private and, like, pretended that she could hear me. I think that's, like, that's, like, a really fun, like, Columbo or, you know, we've both been watching yes. Poker Face. Like, it's it's a fun detail from one of those shows. Like, it's it's a good mystery story. Um, this Absolutely. is how I cracked the case open. Um, yeah, and like right. you can like, and that that detail. None of the neighbors knew that she was hard of hearing. Yeah, that, only close family. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's where Lunka goes. Oh, okay, wasn't Tenma? It was it was the nephew. <laughs> it well, the wasn't other thing, Tenma. the other thing that he knows it wasn't Tenma was the mirror. The emotion uh, that, that comes yeah. back in the next. Um, yeah, it's the, the it's the emotion, and, I, and then it's. I love that, right? Like that we we have this this frame, and, and like spoiler, we're jumping forward to the next chapter a little bit. We get this same frame, right, where it's. In this one, it's Lunga pausing in front of the mirror. and the next one, it's it's Tenma pausing in front of the mirror. I like yeah. that the comic doesn't immediately tell us what this means, right? And yes. like we're left to sit with it. I, I think the note that I put was like, um, the reading difficulty of this chapter has jumped up Ooh. from previous ones. Yeah, that's a good right? way of putting it. Yeah, it's, uh, what's, what's the, um, zygotic? No, that's not it. Ergotic. 
Yeah, it's a it's kind of an er, it's kind of an ergodic moment. Um, ergodic literature being literature that demands something of the audience in order to derive full pleasure from it. Uh, Dark Souls, for example, is ergodic literature because you need to have some level of uh, um, uh, concrete skill in order to experience more of the game. And so, in this sense, Lunga pausing in front of the mirror and the implications of that pause uh, not being explained. It's kind of an ergodic moment. And you could also say that maybe the the uh, parlor detective genre, uh, as Agatha mm. Christie did yeah. it, that's ergodic, yeah. right? That's a game. Um, if you want to know more, uh, you could probably listen to uh, Game Studies Study Buddies for oh, Range Touch. Another Range Touch product. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, there you go. Uh, and then he goes and he just checks in on the nephew and confirms his theory. And basically is all but tells the nephew, I know you did it, but I don't care. You know, he says, I've got bigger fish to fry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he threatens the journalist. And Tenma shows up. And that's chapter 40. Chapter 40. Okay. Last chapter. For also, the also, uh, last oh. panel, last panel in uh, chapter 40. Tenma looks so cute. Oh, he Just does. Yeah, panel. he's a soft boy. He doesn't have any stubble. Yeah, he's a soft boy. He's got his little sleeves rolled up. His shirt's kind of loose. I'd take this boy on a date. He's I'd buy him a milkshake so nice. and a burger. Oh, he needs a milkshake. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This boy, milkshake required. Uh, all right, chapter 41. This is me. Chapter 41, Lungay's Trick. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to say that. Uh, it's Lungay's Trap. In point of fact, Tenma has stopped at the neighborhood lady's house to ask her for uh, some information, and she has reported it to Lungay. Uh, Lungay all but accuses the uh, nephew of doing it, uh, and then leaves abruptly. Tenma does a crime scene investigation, realizes Johan didn't do it. Lungay explains that Johan didn't do it. Uh, really spells it out for the nephew that he, the nephew definitely did it, but the police won't catch him, so whatever. Um, and then Lungay shows up at the house where Tenma is and very menacingly uh, and slowly chases Tenma, or follows Tenma through the house and is about to catch Tenma when he's stabbed by who? The nephew. Out of fucking nowhere. End of chapter. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I didn't see that one coming. I, I did not yeah. see that, that stab. Yeah, um, right? Is that a jack-in-the-box? No, it is not. a jack-in-the-box. No, it is. It is. Because oh, who stabbed him is a jack-in-the-box. Yeah, yeah who yeah, stabbed okay. him? Um, and that's a great, the panel after he stabbed is great. Like, Lunga has the guy by the coat and is, like, holding him up. And they are, like, both, yes. they both look terrible. It is, it is. Yeah, the teeth come out. You know it's real in an Urasawa manga when the teeth show when people up. people are gritting their teeth. Yeah, the nephew's gritting from stabbing. Tenma's gritting from jumping out a window. And Lunga is gritting from being stabbed. It He's is being a... stabbed so hard, dude. It's really good. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, like I mean, that one got me. I was like, oh, okay. Because um, <laughs> like really... when he got stabbed, I was like, who stabbed him? Because yeah. usually in those ones, like, you know, when like Mueller showed up, and when people just start getting shot, I was like, okay, it's probably Mueller. And then in this one, like I said, no clue who was behind that page. Uh, very fun. Big fan. Yeah, totally. Uh, you have any? You have any notes for this chapter? 
Um, I wrote uh, the I think Tenma and the neighbor when talking about the murdered couple, the Yops. Um, she says that they were wonderful people. I think that that wording gets thrown around a lot for these people that are being murdered is that they were wonderful. Um, it might just be like mm. a vocabulary thing. I I don't really know if, if it means anything, but that word because Nina described her parents the same way. They were they were wonderful people. Um, yeah. So I wrote so that down. Keep an eye out for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's fun that Tenma is able to do the same walking through the murder bit, but he does it from like a slightly. Does he do it from the same angle, or does he do it from like a more medical angle? I I don't know for sure. He he. Is it the same? He does the same it's, thing. It's more or less the same, but it's less. It's less thorough. He, okay. he can't do. He can't do the same level of um, reconstruction of the event that uh, that Lunga can. He's but not he as good. Yeah, he seems stuff. a little confused about it at some points. Yeah. yeah, he's like, why is why is this happening? Um, mm-hmm. He's not. He, he's not quite as good of a detective. Um, there's a fun bit. <laughs> so, Lunga knows that Tenma is there, right? Lunga knows that Tenma's there, and the cops are like, hey, we've heard that Tenma's in town. And Lunga's like, oh, good. I'm sure you'll get him. This fucker, this fucking guy, he doesn't even tell the cops. He doesn't tell the other cops. He wants Tenma for himself. Well, the other thing that I like, it's related to that. I mean, he tells the nephew, like, hey, the cops aren't going to catch you because the cops here are morons. And then the next page is like, Tenma making a goof, right? Like, he leaves a window open, and a cop car drives by, and he says, like, oh, shit, I left the window open. Like, they're going to notice that. Please just be a patrol car. Please just be a patrol car. And it drives past, right? Like, confirming what Lunga has just said. Like, the cops in this town are morons. Yeah, Um, totally. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Uh, The specific line, the specific line that that Lunga gives to the nephew, you know, like, like, so he says... In any case, it suits my purposes to have you be innocent. Um, and the nephew is freaking out. And Luca goes, don't worry. The police here are completely incompetent. Which is such a fucking thing to say. Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's both really funny and, I don't know, it's, it's this weird combination of threatening and reassuring. Because he's like, you won't face anything, but you did it. I got yeah. you. Yeah. I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah. I like that Lunga's completely in shadow when he shows up and is like walking towards Tedma. Yeah, that's I think so that's wet. Fun. Yeah. yeah. He's really he's really playing the part of the horror villain in that sequence. He's just just steadily chasing him down. Yeah, that's a Terminator. That's a Frankenstein. That's Definitely. A, exactly. It's yeah. it's pretty cool. Uh, I don't I don't really have I don't think I have any other notes for this chapter. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, called it like good cable movie stuff. Like it's, I, it feels like another, like an episode of The Fugitive, right? And I, we've talked about that before. I, I, I think it's good. Yeah. I, I think the only other note that I have is, um, you know, when at the end of the CSI Tenma sequence, mm-hmm. he goes, this is clearly a copycat crime designed to look like Johan did it. And the next thing he thinks is, how long will this go on? Hmm. And I just, you can feel how weary he is. And, and Tenma, I, I hate to say it, but um, we, we're only a third of the way through this manga. It's a lot more that it goes on for, buddy. <laughs> it, it, how long? It'll it'll go on for another five years in real time, I think. Yeah. And then he yeah. gets stabbed. Then he gets stabbed. What a, what a, I don't think we've ended on a cliffhanger before. Normally we don't. Normally Urasawa um, kind of links things up. And part of this is because... 
the volumes, both the the Tonkobans have moved to being nine chapters each, and the Perfect Editions have moved to being 18 instead of the previous eight and 16, you may mm-hmm. recall. Uh, which is also why this episode is It's going to be a little and, bit longer, but like also we're still yeah. in about the range that we usually are. We are, yeah, but I, I think we're, we're going to probably see some two hours plus oh, in the definitely. future since we're doing nine chapters instead of eight, which is fine. More Urasawa boys... Uh, per per uh, by week. The uh, volume has increased. Exactly. Mm, um. Creepy. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do? We forgot our segments last time. We had so much to talk about. I did not write out my segments last for time. last time. It's fine. We'll, we'll just ju- we'll just skip them. We'll, we'll just skip I mean, last we can, time segments. They're gone. We can There'll just do. Do we want to like point. rattle them off? Do you want to just rattle them off real quick? Like not even go into them. Just just rattle them. For for this time. Oh, uh, for last time. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, you go first, and then I'll, I'll call mine. Okay, um, uh, favorite Tenma lecturing, lecturing the baby from the ground during torture. Johan doesn't subscribe to your petty racist agenda. Oh, that's good. Uh, favorite Tenma is him getting hit by a car in front of the bar. (laughs) Yeah, hell yeah. Um, okay, favorite side uh favorite named character uh it's just gotta be Dieter drinking the drink in the bar that's such a fun that's such a fun moment um i like heckle being shocked at how expensive a real turkish rug is (laughs) yeah uh and unnamed character or side character i really like it when i like uh, General Wolf. Um, uh, I, I guess technically Johan via flashback. I, I guess it's just a a really good moment when Johan goes, "You'll know soon enough." Mm-hmm. You'll know soon enough freaks me out. Um. Oh. 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 I like um when uh Heckle and Dieter are worried that Nazis might kidnap them. And then a guy turns around and has a big old swastika on his Yeah, then the Nazi just shows up. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's for last reading. So uh, if any readers remember last reading well enough, uh, good for you. you. Good job. Um, you did it. For this reading, then, uh, my favorite Tenma moment, I was cheating, too. Me, too. That was mine. Yeah. It's really... And, um, you know, like, we've talked about past moments... Uh, past time of moments of mine that I've liked are ones that show who he's becoming. And I like this one because it shows who he really wants to be. Uh, you know, who he is at his core is he was cheating too, you know, a very human thing. Um, and, and yet here he is on this, on this quest to do a murder. Murder quest. Murder, murder, murder um, quest. Murder yeah. quest 1995. <laughs> <laughs> The I, I cheated too was mine as well. The the note that I made was um, Tenma isn't in this reading as much as he is in some of the other ones, and I think that's interesting. No, um, it's just because we get those three Nina chapters, so he's he's just in yeah. it a little bit less. Because um, like when I was going through trying to think what are Tenma moments, that was like the only big one that jumped to mind. I mean, there's others, but like that was the, the yeah. biggest one. It it is the big one. You're right. Uh, favorite named or side character moment. Uh, hope it's sunny. Damn it, that's mine too. We're we're two for two on this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I think the high points of this one are, are very high, so it's like we're yes. we're grabbing them as they come. Um totally. hope it's sunny. That is that is it for me. 
just a very yeah. enemy. Like we talked it to death when we were doing it there, but like yeah, like, we, don't need to we cannot it. overstate like look if you're not reading along, just go look at that panel, that page because like True. It's, it's a good one. Man, if you're not reading, I I understand if you're not. I don't judge you. Like, but it, it mostly, just, I just hope that we're doing a good enough job that someone could listen to this podcast without reading along. It doesn't seem likely to me. I don't yeah, I'm think I'm grimacing we are. and shaking my head. Uh, no, it doesn't. For those listening, we're you know, doing I best, wouldn't bet but... on it. I wouldn't bet on it. I didn't go to uh, school for this. Yeah, right. Um, favorite side character moment. I think it's really fun that Kipper, the journalist. When he finds out that he was given bad information, he's like, well, I have to print a retraction now. This is a mess. Like, like, like I have journalistic integrity and he, he won't retract it until Lunga threatens him. And I, you know, it just seems like a very realistic uh, reaction to a completely, like, it's a very human reaction to something that's a crazy thing for a person to do. The fact that Lunga did what he did is so out there. Um... And I just like how Matt Kipper is. Yeah, I uh, I like that a lot. Um, the my my side miscellaneous character was um, the true crime grandma that calls in on Tenma. That calls Lunga to say Tenma is here. Um, oh, this is a different true crime. Grandma. This is a different true crime grandma, but it is another true yeah. crime grandma. Is, yes, is yes, what yes, I am yes. positing is she is very happy and pleasant and friendly to Tenma while they're talking. But in the panel where she is on the phone with Lunga, she's looking back at him with like suspicion and disdain, and I think that's very fun. I also noted that. Yeah, she says, when she's on the phone with Lunga, she's like, I did what you said. I was very natural. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good line. Which, like, it's you, a good line. Uh, if someone's saying they were very natural, they absolutely were not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they um, did their best. And I think a bonus round, uh, I really like the serial killer. Um, oh, yeah, he's great. He's got he's got a really cool fucking vibe on him. I think we see more of him, um, actually. I, uh, yeah, so. I, I hope so. Um, and, and the new segment that we've introduced is which profession rocks this week. As we said at the top, this week it's psycho psycho analysts, psychoanalysts. Yeah, psychoanalysts, psychoanalysts rock. Let's hear it for yeah, psychoanalysts. psychoanalysts. Yeah, you you go. Um, <laughs> awesome. Okay. Oh my gosh, chunky, beefy, uh, and what a what a good time. Um, Looking forward to next reading. Yeah, um, I I wanted to make sure that we started doing this because I, I don't think we have been as on top of like telling readers what the next section is going to be, um, oh, like sure. specific chapter numbers. Um, and I'm going to yeah. go back to the notes and I think add those to like what we're covering, what we're covering next. Oh time. my God. Was that not in our notes before? I forgot to put it in there. Oh, um, I man. just kind of was like, hey, it's the first half of the first one. Um, yeah, no, we were, uh, yeah, I can't believe that we're I new missed to this. that too. We're new to this. We're, we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. Um, next time we will be reading chapters 42 through 50, which closes out the third, um, perfect volume. 42 through 51, isn't it? No, it's just No, it's 50. 50 it is 50. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's inclusive. 18, math math with inclusive always throws me off. I hate, yeah, uh, inclusivity. Okay, uh, no, I don't hate, no, sorry, hold on. Um, <laughs> That's the clip. <laughs> yeah, they clipped me, oh, no, no, I've been clipped. Um, uh, okay, uh, Matt, who are you? Um, where can we find you on the internet? Hey, yeah, um, I'm Matt Fennell. Um, you can find me uh, on this podcast and on my uh, my blog, blarple.net. That's B-L-A-R-P-L-E.net. Um, I also run the Twitter for this show. Um, so I'm going to try to start more regularly posting little clips and stuff and maybe doing some engagement. Um, other than that, like, I don't know, I'm on discords and things like that. If you really want to talk to me, I, I, I don't think I'm 
super hard to find. Um, but yeah, uh, that's me. Quinn, where can the people find you? The people. Um, you can find me at 200 Proof Games. That's 200 Proof Games uh, on Twitter, although I'm really not on there very much. You can find my TTRPG work at 200 Proof, again, 200 Proof dot itch dot io. Um, and that's it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think. that's it. Um, hey, we have that's a it. we have a Patreon. Um, it's yes. at Patreon. God, we'll slash start putting Ursa shit on there soon. I swear to God, we're gonna yeah, stuff, we're gonna start doing up. the anime uh, in the next couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Um, I, I want to get uh, uh, something with the anime up. We're gonna get maintaining balance where Matt fans can get their fix. Yeah, um, and like I mentioned, we're on Twitter. That's at Urasawa Boys. Um, if you're, you we're available on all podcast platforms. Um, if you like the podcast, please uh, rate and subscribe and share it with a friend. Um, word of mouth is how we kind of get this around. Yeah, um, really. We, so we... if you like our podcast, what we really want you to do, and um, you won't hear this on 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 the other stuff, but what, but what I would really like, I want you to download it. And then if you can, like, burn it to CDs and just kind of, or, like, like cassette tapes and just, like, leave them around. You know what I mean? Like, on I the subway or, I might, you know? like, make a cassette. That would be so cool. Yeah. Urasawa Boys on tape. Take that for your for your next car trip. Um, yeah. You know, go analog. Go analog with Quinn and Matt. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, that's <laughs> with us. That. Yeah. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And... Thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being a friend.